never liked two screens. Is that weird? Oh my gosh. You never liked what? Two screens. No. I'm snipping my lunch. Uh, I think it should basically be totally normal. Panda, you want to come in? Those sounds were a few residents of Muttville Senior Dog Rescue, whose founder and CEO, Sherry Franklin, is our guest this episode. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from volunteers, artists, community leaders, and San Franciscans from all walks of life, telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to put into words what makes this city so special. Before we get to Sherry, Michelle and I are super stoked to once again be part of Reimagine End of Life. We're calling our exhibit, Is San Francisco Dying? And it'll be up at the Laundry on 26th Street from October 24th through November 3rd. It's going to feature some of Michelle's best photos from this project, a compilation of 20 stories from the podcast, and maybe our favorite part, a giant map of the city where you can share your favorite location-based memories and weigh in on whether San Francisco is losing its way. Go to letsreimagine.org for more details. Welcome to episode 41, part one. In this podcast, Sherry talks about her arrival in the Bay Area in the mid-80s and the beginnings of what turned out to be a lifetime of working with dogs. Here's Sherry. Uh, No, I am a California girl, but I'm a Southern California girl um, that never fit in in Southern California. Um, as many people, I think, um, that come to San Francisco feel like it's the first place they feel like they belong. Um, I was one of those. Where were you? Where did you come from? Um, well, I, I moved from Orange County, behind the Orange Curtain, to Los Angeles. And from Los Angeles, I moved to Colorado and in the meantime, my sister had moved to San Francisco because she also felt like, like a fish out of water, literally. Square and, peg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she was in San Francisco, and I um, moved here uh, to because she was here, and I had a few friends here, and, and um, immediately I felt like a big hug yeah. happened. And that was about... 35 years ago. Okay. Wow. So I've so been here a long time. Mid 80s or so? Mid 80s. Okay. Yeah, I he- came. Oh, yeah. I was you're here. here for 88 or for 89, excuse I me. I was here for the earthquake, and okay. I do have that story. Let's hear it. Oh, you want to hear it? Oh, Absolutely. Well, I don't know if you know this, but um, when I first moved here, I was a hairstylist for many years, and so I was working in a hair salon. Now, what part of town? If you know, uh, downtown on Sutter Street, okay. um, in you know, the, um, Union Square. I always worked in Union Square. Um, I growing up in California was not. It wasn't unheard of to have to you know be woken up in the middle of the night, or be driving to work, or be anywhere and have an earthquake happen. So, uh, one happened. Uh, in 1989 and I was styling hair on Sutter Street and it was about 5, 530 and I was just finishing up my client and waiting for my next client and getting money from my last client and this earthquake happened and it lasted longer than any earthquake I'd ever been in and I'd been in many and 
Was it? Did it feel more violent? Or it didn't feel violent as much as it felt more rolling, and it continued much longer. I'd been in more violent ones where it was one big shake. This seemed to just keep going on. Like it gave me time to think, where should I be? Usually, by the time you think about that, it's over. So, um, but I still didn't realize how bad it was, and was still deciding whether I should wait for my next client. Wow. You're like just gonna. I'm carry an on old. With the thing. Oh yeah, I'm like I've been around this. Yeah. But um, what floor of the building? I was on a second floor okay. of like a four floor building. Okay. And it was an older building, mm-hmm. so um, somebody walked in, and they said, "There's blood in the streets, and the bridge has collapsed." You know, I mean, this is remember the radios went out. Sure. So, and at the time there were no cell phones, so you really didn't know. If it was really something really bad until, you know, you hear something like that. And I think it was that all the windows had come out of Neiman Marcus and Macy's windows. Oh, wow. And so there was some blood in the streets. I think people got a little cut, but nobody got like killed <laughs> by blood street. in the streets. Yeah. Um, so I realized my next client wasn't going to absolutely be there. So I closed the salon down. And um, at the time, I was a motorcycle rider. Um, I'm not any longer but that did actually um, help me because all the streets were pretty much gridlocked and I made it home to Potrero Hill um, on my motorcycle um, pretty quickly because I was so worried about my cats. Okay. So I had four cats and um, I was, uh, yes, what was please the, do. <laughs> what was that journey like? You said gridlock, but you know. Gridlock, and it was crazy because there was a heat wave. So everybody had their windows open, and I'm riding Which some, is the source of the, like when it's yes. warm here and people are like, it's earthquake weather. Yeah, it's earthquake it's weather. It's because earthquake it was weather. really it was hot. Yeah. And it was the first game of the World Series yeah. was going to happen. So, you know, everybody's windows were open, and people were listening to radios in their car, and you're getting snippets of weird news and nobody really knew what was going on. And I was in my motorcycle so I could hear everything, you know, and there were people everywhere and nobody knew where to go because they obviously closed the bridge down and it was also during the hour of, you know, everybody's trying to get over the bridge anyway, so. Did you see any buildings or any, you know, structures or anything fall? Had that had fallen? I think I had seen some things that had fallen because by the time I was sort of out of that main area in Union Square, which actually nothing had seen, nothing had fallen that I had seen because they had already sort of closed off areas where, you know, you couldn't, drive or go but I did ride up on you know sidewalks and you know seeing people I mean people were really you know really freaked out I mean we all were I was absolutely I was worried for my sister I'd heard the bridge collapse her boyfriend was in Oakland she was supposed to be at my house I didn't know where she was and there were no cell phones I mean now you know I don't know I think we have our cell phones we if those went you know, you really wouldn't know where anybody was. Imagine. Yeah. And um, I did make it home, and all of the, all of my, um, a lot of things had fallen on the floor. So there was a lot of broken glass, but my cats were okay, my house was okay, and it was very strange yeah. because I live near the freeway mm-hmm. on Potrero Hill, and for the first time ever, ever silence because literally no car i mean it was gridlocked 
and you are where you were and nobody was moving and they closed all the roads because they didn't want any anybody going under an underpass and uh for three days or four days I, I can't remember how long now but it was total silence so you know i watched the sun was going down i found candles in my house um i was still waiting for my sister um and had had no word you know again cell phones we didn't know. we didn't have cell phones and there was really no way to reach her so she did make it home Good. and um uh it was the beginning of our journey down like taking care of the house and and getting I mean, we still have earthquake stuff together for that mm-hmm. because it was scary yeah you never know it wasn't the actual it was the aftermath that was more scary than the actual shaking it was more like okay now where is everybody and what's happening and who's alive and you know all that not knowing not knowing uncertainty yeah absolutely Ugh. well i'm glad you survived yeah (laughs) i'm glad i survived i'm I'm glad glad your house survived i'm really happy my house survived because i certainly wouldn't be able to afford one today is that where you still live i still live in that same house uh that i bought in 1987 so okay you said san francisco you felt like it was giving you a big hug and that you hadn't fit in in other places can you expound on that okay i'll just give a little tiny bit of story about my first when I first moved here I didn't move to San Francisco I moved to Marin and lived was going to live with some friends of mine um from Colorado that had a spare bedroom and and was and decided I was going to find a job I I was I had been a salon owner and very very busy hairstylist and left with enough money and um with no clients all of a sudden you know I'm I've got no clients, so I've got to start all over, and that's no fun in a new, right. uh, expanded universe. And you didn't have an universe. Instagram page to No Instagram, <laughs> please. And um, so I found a job in Corte Madeira. Uh, actually, it was in uh, San Anselmo, um, styling hair. And I was super excited to be working and working in Marin and, you know, um, I got all dressed in my funky gear to go be my, a hairstylist on my first day at my new job. And I walked in in my vintage dress and I had some crazy colors in my hair because it was the 80s. It was kind of still a little bit punky. Punk, I was going to say. It's it a little punky still. Yeah. It wasn't like to- post hippie punky. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Anyway, I had some bright colors in my hair and, and I had my little vintage dress on, my funky shoes. And. I come in, and all the hairstylists there were like practically in suits, mm-hmm. and I felt I came to to the wrong planet. Right. And um, though I had moved to the Bay Area, I hadn't moved to San Francisco as such. And I, um, my cl- the clients that were that I started doing were all super straight because they were they they said they were in Moran and they were there to be artists and to be different but basically at the time they all wanted the same haircut Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like I was working in an arty community it wasn't like that in Moran Mm -hmm. and 
um, I decided I was going to look for my job in the city and, and found a fantastic job. Thanks because thanks to my sister who I did her hair and I did her hair so wild and we went out and some hairstylists loved her hair and then the next thing you know they hired me at their salon. So um, walking into work there and this very similar clothing and hairstyle and immediately was like this is where I need to be and I took a breath because I was you know moving to a whole new world and wanted to feel that sense of belonging. And there it was. And um, it just took me getting over that bridge. At the risk of um, editorializing or something, it's interesting. And and of course, you're not alone in feeling that um, with San Francisco. But in a sense, that's what you're now doing for these dogs. Well, I'm giving them, yeah, a sense of home. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, um, I think... I like to think, though, when I think of myself and that part of my journey was um, I needed to feel at home before I could find my life's work. Right, your calling. And my calling was to first be able to feel at home where I am and with myself um, and not feel like I had to change myself. Right. You know, and when you get to that. To be your honest, true self. Exactly, exactly. And my true self actually is a rescuer. And um, I really found my passion when I started volunteering at animal shelters. Okay. Did that precede you and the, and the dogs? Started, no, okay. it was all part of that journey. Okay. It was really well then, part of that journey. Well, then let's get into let's it. Let's talk about that journey. Okay. Um, I was always an animal lover. I was the kind of person that cried if, at, a, at a cartoon that had animals in it and and cried when I lost my first um, stuffed animal for days and weeks Um, when I was a little kid. Mm. um, I loved animals. I was told, don't touch the dogs. And of course, the first thing I had to do was go say hi to the dogs. And then I felt like I I was a dog whisperer, Mm -hmm. you know, at five. Um, But um, I always felt a little bit more than just loving them. I felt more of an empathy and... Um, there was a, a compassion I felt about them that went for above and beyond. And um, I quit eating meat at a very young age um, just because of that. It was sort of always feeling that I felt something about all animals. Was that something you did on your own or did you know about vegetarianism? No, this is all on my own. Like yeah. yeah, no, this was way before there was such a uh, such a thing, I, I think. You know, I'm 60, so um, I haven't had meat for over 40 years, um, quite a bit longer than that. Um, but um, I, I th- uh, going back to just the fact that there was something in me that felt strongly about animals and could do my bit by not eating meat. Yet, I was not willing to face up going into like an animal shelter. Um, I found a cat on the street, on Sutter Street, working at the same place that I worked during the earthquake. I I was on my motorcycle getting ready to hop on and I saw a cat um, and I I got him out from under a, a car and um, he was just covered in oil, and um, I somehow 
held him in my arms and got him in a box and wrapped him up and took him to the SPCA or the um, ACC at the time um, and uh, made sure I got him there safely and got his number to make sure that you know he wasn't going to be euthanized because I really didn't know you know what their process was this was a long time ago mind you this was way before no kill shelters was a word and I don't like to use that term at all but this was before there was any sort of movement about euthanasia um, um, but I walked in and I did that and as I was leaving I heard the dogs barking and I started crying immediately. And I said to myself, I have to get out of this place because I'm really going to lose it. And as I left, I also said, I need to come back here tomorrow and start volunteering. It was, it was a flip. It was a flipped coin for me. It was like, um, I need to do something about all this feeling I'm feeling, number one. And I need to do something about the problem that is upsetting me so much and um literally like within two weeks i was volunteering um walking dogs and um was that with animal care and control or that SPCA? was that was here at the san francisco spca close to the building that muttville is in right now um, which has actually been torn down it was a very old decrepit um it was an old way of doing things and it was um it was over 20 been over 20 years for sure now uh anyway so i started volunteering and i remember them saying you're very committed um would you like to join our behavior program um and i was um i was like well i don't know that i can really you know sign up for that or make that sort of commitment and they're like you're already here like four days a week. Would that have meant quitting your salon job? Or? No it just meant being a volunteer and doing a little bit more than just walking dogs, but working on training and diving deeper into the, yeah, di- the di- yeah, working maybe with a little more of the dogs that were in the back that I still wasn't even allowed to see. Um, at the time, there there were just there. It's changed so much that I hate to use that as being part of the problem I was trying to solve. But at the time, you know, things were different back then. Um, so I said, okay, well, I guess I'll, I can do that. That was Sherry Franklin. Join us Thursday when Sherry will share the story of how she founded Muttville. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Find all 90 episodes we've done over on our website, storiedsf.com. While you're there, please help support this project by going to our store page and checking out the various pledge levels. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay current on everything we do. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show for us. And if you have ideas of who should be on the podcast, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.